0: Tonight our series is You Only Live Once, and I'm going to show you a video, and you should watch very carefully because you only live once, and you don't know if you'll ever see this video again. We ready? Yes, we are.
1: My story of how I came to know Jesus, who he is, uh, well, I guess I should say some people I've noticed have sort of a Saul to Paul kind of walking down one way, boom, God comes, yes! And they turn, and life totally changed, totally different. Other people, like myself, kind of have more of a Peter story where you have to learn the same things over and over, and it's smaller steps of understanding. And uh, so the way I kind of see it is, I grew up in a Christian family, you know, so I understood that I needed a savior, Five, six, I prayed the sinner's prayer like a hundred times, you know, just to make sure. And, but Jesus might have been my savior at that point, but he wasn't my Lord. Uh, he didn't become my Lord until my senior year high school when uh, I got in a near fatal car accident. I got thrown out of the car and broke my back in two places in my head. Um, and that's actually what even led me to start playing the guitar because I was healing on my back. that's how I started playing guitar, but it was also in that moment when, you know, senior high school, you're usually just out being an idiot. I actually had this time of repose to kind of think about my life. Man, my life is a breath. And I started thinking about Jesus' commands. And up till that point, I think, honestly, I just felt like God was out to ruin my good time. You know, it was like, here's what's fun to do. And Jesus was like, you can't do that. And having that moment to sort of reflect there on my broken back, I go, man, you know, God's commands are a good idea, and He's not trying to rob me of pleasure, He's offering me life fullness. the fullest, and I would say it was in that time that He actually started to become my Lord, so He became my Savior at five, my Lord at 17, and the next year when I went to college is when Jesus actually became my treasure, and it was because I got in a community of kids who just sit outside and worship for hours. For no reason but to worship God like they weren't worshiping God so that they could start a new ministry or something they just were worshiping God because they loved him I was like wait you guys don't want to go out and like get drunk or you don't want to go party?" they're like no man God's presence is the best thing I've ever experienced and that's when suddenly Jesus not only was my savior my Lord, but also the delight and the treasure and uh, when that started Out of my life, not to win God's approval, but out of reaction to the fact that we already love me. My name is Mike Dunahy, and I have been raised. So,
0: awesome stuff. Love it. Our whole series is called You Only Live Once. And it's like that guy I was talking about. You, your life goes by like a blur. And we've all been put here for a reason. Um, I want you guys to open up to Matthew chapter 6 if you have your Bible. So you can turn there to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have your Bible, you can just listen. Um, Sarah, are you going to grab some? Sweet. All right, put your hands up if you need a Bible, and we will pass them out. Because this is the only passage of Scripture we're going to be reading tonight, so I would love for everyone to be able to see it. So we'll wait a minute. You guys can grab some Bibles. Matthew chapter six. Raise your hand if you're there. Anybody? No one's there yet. We will wait. Just chuck Bibles at people. That's. What's up, Micah? How's it going, buddy? Okay. I think we got one guy over here. Oh, you're there. Kind of confusing. Raise your hand if you need the Bible and if you're there. Uh, you made it, okay? Matthew chapter 6. Did you say you made it? I said you made it. I probably slurred my words a little bit. you made it. You made it. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Keep flipping there if you're not there yet, but I'm going to read it. And this is the most important part of the scripture we're looking at tonight, guys. Check it out. Verse 25. It says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about about what you eat or drink. Don't worry about your body. Don't worry about your clothes. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at those birds in the air. They do not sow or reap. That means they don't farm. Birds don't farm things. They don't plant things in the ground away from them to grow. Uh, They don't store, store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Verse 27 Can any one of you be worrying, or can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? No. Verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these flowers. Verse 30, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not clothe you much more? you people of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Verse 32, for the pagans, they, they run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek, best verse in here, my favorite verse in here, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all those things will be given to you as well. Other translation might say, but seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Verse 34, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough of its own trouble. What we're talking about today is how short our lives are and how to make them count. I mean, last week, we talked all about how we shouldn't waste our lives. We, we talked about what a wasted life looked like. And I think we all know a wasted life is one that doesn't mean anything. It's at the end of our, your life, you look at it. And people ask, what did they do? What did they accomplish? What, what was their life worth? And a wasted life is just where it's like, they just took a lot of selfies. And that's really like what their life was. Like you can see like their long, long history of selfie pictures, but that's really all their life amounted to. So we all know we don't want that. We know we don't want a life that adds up to nothing. So this, I'm excited because this study is for Christians. I know that might sound weird to say in a church, but for those of you guys who are like, I walk with Jesus, and I follow Jesus, and I love Jesus, this study's for you. Because what I realize a lot of times is um, when we do Bible studies, sometimes we don't uh, give a lot of action for things that you can do. I mean, we always usually give one thing that you can do, but this study, I want to show you guys how you can not waste your life. I wanna give you guys ways that you can follow Jesus as a junior high kid, and I wanna focus specifically over this summer. And I want this stuff, I want you to listen to what we're talking about, because this stuff carries on over through the rest of your life, but start this summer. I challenge you and encourage you, listen to what we're talking about, and figure out how can I, if, if you hear this study and you pick even just one little thing in this list of things we're gonna be talking about, just one thing, and you actually do it with all your heart, this is gonna be a good summer for you. So we're gonna look at some different things. The first thing is grow. Something we can do to not waste our life, to have a life that means something, is grow. I remember I had a baby goldfish one time, and it was a cute little baby goldfish, and I called him Hector, you know, and I was like, hey, Hector. He's like tiny, he's like this big, you know, little Nemo guy. But you know what? He didn't grow. He died. You know why? Because I didn't feed him. Now he's down the toilet. That's what happens when you're a goldfish and you don't get fed. It was really creepy. I came in to my room and I looked at the aquarium and he was like white and like frozen just floating and his eyes were staring back at me with this like haunting gaze like why didn't you feed me and it was really scary one time i planted an apple tree did it grow no why because i didn't feed it you're supposed to feed apple trees sticks. anyway listen i'm stupid okay i'm stupid i know i'm stupid i'm stupid let's just move past it okay paul the apostle he was a guy who loved jesus uh, and he used to teach Bible studies that were so long that people fell out of windows and died. It's actually in the Bible. <laughs> I'm serious. There was a guy, do you remember his name, Brian? Onesimus? No, that was a slave. Philemon? No, that was the slave owner. Or maybe I got those mixed up. Anyway, this guy fell out of a window because Paul taught so long. But Paul talked about sleeping one time. In Romans thirteen eleven. this is what Paul says. He says, listen, I'm gonna say it really dramatically. The hour has come for you to wake up. Because your slumber, because of salvation, is nearer now than when we first believed. He's saying, wake up from your slumber because your salvation is nearer than when you first believed. What's he talking about? He's saying, he's not saying like, hey, Christians, wake up because if you're actually asleep during the rapture, then you don't go to heaven. So just stay awake all the time. You're like, drinking coffee a little. I don't want to go to hell. Um, no, listen. Paul's not saying that. He's not talking about Saturday morning snoozes. He's not talking about naps. He's talking about... The slumber of sin. He's talking about the slumber of not caring. I think a lot of us, even as Christians going to church, we can find ourselves in the slumber of not caring. The slumber of like, I'm just going to go to church and that's my Christianity. Like, that is Christianity for me. Nothing else is Christianity. I don't spend time with Jesus. I don't fellowship with other people. I don't encourage people. I don't serve. We're going to be talking about all these things, okay? Growing is the number one thing we want to talk about right now, this second. Now, growing... Is one of the most important parts of being Christian. Let me put it to you this way: if I do plant a tree and it grows this big, and I'm like, yeah, it's gonna make some fruit soon, and I need it because I'm out of money, so I'm relying completely on this tree to produce fruit. And then like 12 years go by and like the tree's still here, and maybe it's got like a tiny little like deformed apple coming off of it. It's like, you're a stupid tree. But listen listen seriously in our own life as christians we can be like that because we can be like i'm going to grow in the lord but we're not like growing throughout the year like we're not trying to grow we're not trying to get somewhere we're not letting god grow us we're kind of saying like i'm fine the way i am the biggest obstacle to you growing as a christian is yourself it's you being like i don't want to change i'm happy with who i am this is honestly what i believe for my own life for my wife's life, for my family's life, for your lives. This is what I feel for all of us. Christians should always be growing. We should always have an area of our life where we're like, I need to grow here, and I'm praying about it, and I'm trying to work on it. We should never be like, I have arrived. I am the Christian extraordinaire. That's that's dumb, that's dumb. You're never gonna grow if that's how you feel. If you're just content with how you are. We talked about this before remember Jesus isn't content with you now listen I'm not making I don't want you to feel like Jesus isn't content with me like that doesn't mean he's not satisfied with you like Jesus isn't like satisfied with me as a person like I thought he loved me yes he does but let me put it this way okay listen listen seriously Jesus is a doctor he's the great surgeon now what kind of doctor do you want do you want a doctor who looks at you and is like hey um so we checked and you have a horrible disease and uh would you like us to remove it? Uh, we don't have to. Uh, it's up to you. I mean, I just, I mean, I'm, I've got to go to lunch. I don't know if I really want to do this. Uh, do you want that kind of doctor? Or do you want a doctor who's like, I will not be satisfied until every inch of that horrible disease is removed from your body? That's the kind of doctor you want. And that's the way Jesus is like with us. He sees us. And he sees the potential for us to be something great. He sees the potential for us to grow into just amazing women and men of God. He sees the sin in our life and he's like, that's hurting you, I wanna get rid of that. I'm not satisfied until that's gone. Jesus is satisfied with you in the sense that he could never love you any more or any less. He'll never love you more than he does right now and he'll never love you less. He loves you more than anyone could ever love anything. But because he loves you, he's like, I want you to grow. Now listen, let's talk about ways we can grow. Here's one. Get serious about following Jesus. What I mean by that is very simple. If you're, okay, I've talked about this all, my entire time as a youth pastor here, one of the main things I've talked about is the difference between a disciple and a Christian. A disciple, or let's start with a Christian, by American Christian standards is someone who's like, I go to church, I am a Christian. I read the Bible sometimes, I have read it, I know the Bible stories because of children's ministry, I am a Christian because I believe in it. That's a Christian. I don't think we should be that. Like, oh, don't be a Christian. What are you talking about? Of course, yeah, be a Christian. But here's what I mean. Be a disciple even more than being a Christian in the sense of someone going to church. The word Christian came from the word little Christ. There's people who follow Jesus, and people will be like, ah, oh, look at those guys following Jesus. They're like little mini Jesus, Eh, mini Jesus." That's the Christian word. It's mini-Jesus. So... Somewhere along the lines, that word got turned into a person who goes to church once a week. And that's what it means to be a Christian. I want to challenge you guys as whatever you are, 6th, 7th, 8th graders, I want to challenge you guys. A disciple is what you want to be. That's, that's what, I mean, in the, in the, in the New Testament, uh, they use the word Christian like three times. And they use the word disciple like hundreds of times. Okay? So which one should we strive to be? Which one should we focus on being? Disciple. Now, here's what it means to be a disciple, very simply. You follow Jesus. Now, of someone who follows Jesus is someone who listens to what he says. It's someone who knows what he says. But how can I know what Jesus says? He doesn't talk to me. He doesn't beam down and talk to me. Oh, good news. Guess what? He wrote a book. And if there's like seven of them on your shelves at home. then guess what? It's not just the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The whole thing is written by God, by Jesus, because Jesus and God are the same person. It's crazy. You have a whole book that is the word of God that you can read, open up any book of the Bible and read it and pray and say, God, what do you want to say to me today in this book? I wanna challenge you guys, if you wanna grow, it's gotta start with your relationship with God. It's gotta start with you sitting down with Jesus, praying, talking to him, telling him what you're going through, reading the word and seeing what he would say to you. And if we're not doing that, we're not gonna grow. Now here's another thing, ask what is my biggest struggle? Because think about it, if you're trying to grow, if, like, if there's a tree and it's trying to grow and there's a squirrel like, biting it every time it gets past like two inches, just hits it, cuts off, right? Two inches, just chopping. It. This, this squirrel is just biting this tree down. That, that squirrel is the biggest struggle. Now for us in our life, we're trying to grow, and there are sins in our life and struggles in our life that just chop us right there and keep us from growing every time. We gotta ask, what are the biggest struggles in my life? And then we've gotta deal with sin. We've gotta say, you know what? This sin in my life needs to be dealt with. I don't want this sin anymore. I'm gonna ask God for help. I'm gonna go to Jesus and ask him to help me get rid of this sin. I'm gonna go to a counselor or a pastor or a friend, and I'm gonna ask them to pray for me and help me be accountable for this sin. But if we're not doing that, if we're just keeping our sins to ourselves, we're not gonna grow. What's another thing? Ask, if you wanna grow, ask in what way do I wanna grow closer to God? Like, think about it right now. What way, if you could, if you could be, um, if you could pick any aspect of your relationship with God you wanted to be better, like if you could just take it from level one to level like 100 in an instant, what would it be? For me, it would be discipline in reading my Bible, if I'm honest. I would be like, Lord, if you could just somehow like Just rig up my brain that I woke up at 4 a.m. every day and opened up my Bible and read it for like an hour. That would be sick. I would love that. Now, I know that for me is what I need to work on. So what I'm doing right now is I am looking at my week and I'm like, I need to make sure that I am at least three or four times a week opening up my Bible and spending time with Jesus for a good amount of time. And it's not legalism. It's not me like going like, That's what God told me I have to do. And if I don't do it, he hates me. It's me saying, I love Jesus and I want to grow close to him. So I want to be disciplined. So I want to challenge myself to open up my Bible more than just at church, more than just when I hear other people teach. I want to open up my Bible and spend time with Jesus. And you know what? It's been going good. I got my old journal back out that I had um, years ago, and I've been writing in that. Not, again, because it's like like you have to do it or you're a Christian, but it's like I am writing my prayers. And that helps me think. I'm reading the Bible and I'm like, I wanna pray about this. So I write down, dear Jesus, this verse really reminds me of this. Can you please help me with this? And I believe that God looks at those writings and as letters to him and reads them. And I feel like God speaks to me. I wanna challenge you guys. What's your biggest thing? Maybe it's prayer. Maybe you're like, I never pray, ever. Maybe it's respecting your parents. Maybe it's uh, being a light. Maybe it's being courageous for Jesus. Maybe it's uh, not being afraid to tell other people about the Lord. Whatever it is that's your biggest struggle, Find out what that is and pray and ask God to grow you. Let's keep going, okay? Stand together. If you want to have a life that's not wasted, if you want to have a life that makes a mark, stand together. Because listen, as believers, you can't survive by yourself. For instance, if I am an ant and I'm trying to attack a human, I'll get squished. But if I'm I'm an ant and I also have 10 professional wrestlers with me, then I'll beat up that human. I'll probably just stand and watch. It's a really bad analogy. But listen, don't go hunt down 10. If you want to start a small group with 10 professional wrestlers, go right ahead. That sounds amazing. Please let me know when it is because I will be there. Um, But guys, one of the things the Bible says is if one I'm trying to remember the verse. I should have written it down. But here's, here's what I remember it saying. It says if one person has to fight and he's by himself, he's going to lose. But if two people fight together and they stand back to back, then they'll cover their bases. Because if I'm standing here, and I've got my sword, and then like Brian is like back to back with me. He's got his sword. And then someone like tries to sneak up behind me. Guess what? Brian's going to stab him. It's the same thing. So many times as Christians, we try to fight the battle of being a Christian alone. And you might be alone tonight in the sense that you... Have sins that you haven't told anyone about. You might be alone in the sense that you have uh, things in your life you want to grow. Like I want to be, I want to grow closer to Jesus in this way, but you've never told anybody. So you're trying to grow on your own, and it's hard. Here's some ways we can stand together. Um, I'm going to show you guys a quick video about this. Uh, go ahead, Christian. Here it goes.
2: I have 422 friends, yet I'm lonely. I speak to all of them every day, yet. None of them really know me. The problem I have sits in the spaces between looking into their eyes or at a name on a screen. I took a step back and opened my eyes. I looked around and realised that this media we call social is anything but when we open our computers and it's our doors we shut. All this technology we have, is just an illusion. Community companionship, a sense of inclusion. Yet when you step away from this device of delusion, We awaken to see a world of confusion. A world where we're slaves to the technology we master. A world of self-interest, self-image, self-promotion. Where we all share our best bits, but leave out the emotion. We're at our most happy with an experience we share. But is it the same if no one is there? Be there for your friends, and they'll be there too. But no one will be if a group message will do. We edit and exaggerate, crave adulation, We pretend not to notice the social isolation. We put our words into order until our lives are glistening. We don't even know if anyone is listening. Being alone isn't the problem. Let me just emphasise, if you read a book, paint a picture or do some exercise, you're being productive and present, not reserved and recluse. You're being awake and attentive and putting your time to good use. So when you're in public and you start to feel alone, put your hands behind your head, step away from the phone. You don't need to stare at your menu or at your contact list. Just talk to one another, learn to coexist. I can't stand to hear the silence of a busy commuter train where no one wants to talk through the fear of looking insane. We're becoming unsocial. It no longer satisfies to engage with one another and look into someone's eyes. We're surrounded by children who, since they were born, have watched us living like robots and think it's the norm. It's not very likely you'll make world's greatest dad if you can't entertain a child without using an iPad. When I was a child, I'd never be home. Be out with my friends on our bikes we would roam. I'd wear holes in my trainers and graze up my knees build our own clubhouse high up in the trees now the park's so quiet it gives me a chill see no children outside and the swings hanging still there's no skipping, no hopscotch, no church and no steeple, we're a generation of idiots, smartphones and dumb people so look up from your phone shut down display, take in your surroundings, make the most of today just one real connection is all it can take to show you the difference that being there can make Be there in the moment that she gives you the look that you remember forever as when love overtook. The time she first holds your hand or first kiss your lips. The time you first disagree but still love her to bits. The time you don't have to tell hundreds of what you've just done because you want to share this moment with just this one. The time you sell your computer so you can buy a ring for the girl of your dreams who is now the real thing. The time you want to start a family and the moment when you first hold your little girl and get to fall in love again. The time she keeps you up at night and all you want is rest and the time you wipe away the tears as your baby flees the nest. The time your baby girl returns with a boy for you to hold and the time he calls you granddad and makes you feel real old. The time you're taking all you've made just by giving life attention and how you're glad you didn't waste it by looking down at some invention. The time you hold your wife's hand, sit down beside her bed. You tell her that you love her lay a kiss upon her head. She then whispers to you quietly, as her heart gives a final beat, that she's lucky she got stopped by that lost boy in the street. But none of these times ever happened. You never had any of this. When you're too busy looking down, you don't see the chances you miss. So look up from your phone, shut down those displays. We have a finite existence, a set number of days. Don't waste your life getting caught in the net as when the end comes, nothing's worse than regret. I'm guilty too of being part of this machine, this digital world we are heard but not seen, where we type as we talk and we read as we chat, where we spend hours together without making eye contact. So don't give in to a life where you follow the hype. Give people your love, don't give them your like. Disconnect from the need to be heard and defined. Go out into the world, leave distractions behind. Look up from your phone, shut down that display. Stop watching this video, live life the real way.
0: It's good stuff, it's true. It's really true. I mean, the way that we live, and I mean, I'm the same way as you guys. I have an iPhone and an iPad and a computer, and I mean, sometimes it's way easier to talk to people on those things. I think one of the hardest things for young Christians is it's way easier for us to engage with people we don't even know on the internet uh, through games and apps and stuff like that than it is for us to sit down and be open and honest with people in our life about what God is doing. And I want you guys to look look around really quick. Just look at the people around you. Take a look really quick, okay? These are the people that God has put in your life to be there for you and for you to be there for them. Not just as a person to joke around with, not just as someone to hang out with, but as someone who will stand with you to follow Jesus. It wasn't just the one disciple, it was the 12 disciples. And then after that, it was thousands of disciples, but we're called to follow Jesus together. Now listen, here's ways that you can do it. You can be real with people about your problems. That's hard to do. It's hard to tell someone I messed up, I made a mistake. We all wanna put on that mask. That's why on Instagram we try really hard to make ourselves look perfect and we do a filter that matches us to what we wanna look like. It's fake though, it really is but we're all about it. I'm all about it. I don't want to do the filter that makes me look bad, and I definitely want to do no filter. I, uh, we're all about looking the best we can, and that's why I think we hide from each other what's really in our heart and what's really going on, but that's why we need to be honest. I so appreciate it. The other night, uh, I drove AJ, one of our counselors, home, and just out of nowhere, we were just talking, and we were like... How can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? And we were just honest about just our relationship with the Lord at that time and that week and just how we wanted to grow in that week. And we we prayed for one another and it was awesome. And I love that. Um, Something else you can do is encourage one another to follow Jesus. You know, some of you guys, you might be in a group of kids and maybe you're in a group of kids who you get in trouble a lot and you're kind of known as like the bad kids or maybe you're the good kids, but just, you know, nobody's following Jesus in your group. Maybe they come to church, but no one's really like, Talking about Jesus, or 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 uh, or reading their Bibles, or praying—like no one's really, besides just going to church, making an effort to live their life for Christ. It'd be like if you were soldiers on a battlefield, and your general says to you, "Here's the orders. I want you to go here and do this, and blow this up, and you know that type of thing." And then you get on the battlefield, and all the soldiers are just like, "Hey, did you see the game last night? American Idol was amazing. I know, so cool." And like people are like, shooting at them. And they're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what we do. We're on the battlefield of life trying to walk with Jesus, and we don't ever talk about the war. Can you imagine if soldiers just came to a meeting, but then when they're on the battlefield, they're not talking about the war? This is just the training room. When you guys leave, that's the war, that's life. And if you don't have people in your life, Christians that you can walk with, people at your school, people in your neighborhood, people in your family, you can really connect with about the Lord. You might be like I was when I was your age, afraid, because you want your relationship with your friends to get better. You want your, maybe you're the, maybe you're the kid in your group where you're like, I wish that my friends talked about Jesus with me. I wish my youth pastor wasn't the only one who talked to me about Jesus. So I wish my parents weren't the only ones. I wish my friends talked to me about Jesus. But you're too scared to talk to people about it. I would just encourage you, be brave, don't waste your life. You only live once. Be the person who starts the conversation. Be the kid in your group of friends who starts talking about Jesus and watch what he does. All your friends are just as scared as you, but I hope you hear this. I hope the Lord stirs something up in your heart. Start talking with your friends about Jesus. Jesus isn't just church, it's life. Following Jesus isn't just church, it's life. Talk with your friends about it, fight together. Let's keep going. Serve Jesus. You know, the disciples used to be around, Jesus sitting around the campfire, and there's a story in the Bible where the disciples are all talking, and Jesus is listening, and, He's probably hoping the disciples are going to be, like, saying great, you know, things about the kingdom of God and serving other people. You know what the disciples are saying? Yeah, uh, John, when I get to heaven, me, Andrew, I'm going to be the greatest. And I'm actually going to sit on the right hand of God's throne, and there's going to be, like, angels fanning me and feeding me grapes. And then, like, Peter's like, you're dumb. Uh, You're going to be like my footstool, and I'm going to put my foot on you, and Jesus is going to give me high fives all day. Like, they're just talking about how great they're going to be. They're like, when we get to heaven, we're going to be the greatest because we're like the 12 disciples, so we'll be like the 12 presidents of heaven. It's going to be awesome. And even uh, James and John, their mom, came to Jesus, and she's like, listen, Jesus, let let me tell you, my sons are great. You should make them awesome in heaven. Jesus, I'd be like, seriously? Uh, Peter and John, uh, you're, or no, uh. Andrew and Peter, I don't, I forgot which ones it was. John was a good friend. friend. The disciple Jesus loved. In the pictures, he was the one who always like had his hand like this. Anyway, here's the main point, okay? Jesus says to the disciples, you guys want to be great in heaven, but you can't be great unless you're a servant. That's what he says. Whoever wants to be great, whoever wants to make himself great, must first make himself the servant, That's the guy who does the job no one wants to do, the guy who mops the floor, the guy who cleans up the broken glass, the guy who just mops up after everybody else. That's the guy. I mean, Jesus was with his disciples and they all show up at dinner. And there's, back then they used to have a servant in the house who would clean people's feet and they had nasty feet. They wore sandals like me and they'd be walking around in cow manure and camel stuff all day. And their feet would just be nasty, just nasty, just stinky, ridiculous feet. So the disciples go into this house, and there's no servant. Normally, the servant would clean people's feet, but there's no servant. Do the disciples go, oh, no one's here to clean Jesus' feet? Let's clean Jesus' feet because he's amazing. They all go, oh, I'm not cleaning that feet. <laughs> I'm not cleaning your feet. you cleaning my feet. I'm not cleaning your feet. <laughs> We're not going to clean feet. Guess we just want to have clean feet. Jesus takes off his shirt, wraps it around himself, and gets a bucket of water, and he starts cleaning their feet. And they're like, this guy's the king. This guy's God. This guy is the Messiah, and he's cleaning our feet, and they're just, they are humbled. It's amazing. And it reminds me of uh, Sarah's story. She was telling us just about being in a place, and just like all of us, I've been that way, even working here. Like, I don't want to do that. That's not my job. Maybe that's you. You're at home, and your parents want you to do something. Clean that up. My brother made that mess, not me. Make him do it. You've been there, right? We've all been there. You're at school, you know, and and, uh, you end up in a group, doing a group project, and all your friends bail on you, and you're the only one left, and you're like, well, I guess we're all just going to fail. You know, that type of stuff. You know, listen, it's like what Sarah said. She opened up her Bible, and it said, follow God, serve Jesus, do the work. Do the work God sets in front of you. Listen, for those of you guys who are like, I feel like I'm floating in a sea of Christianity, and I am not growing, and I just keep going to Bible studies, and I don't even remember them. I was having a talk with one of you recently. You hear Bible studies. I don't remember them. I don't know what to do. Listen, serve Jesus. Start serving him. You will see your relationship with God skyrocket, because Jesus says, Jesus is our greatest example. He came to earth as a king, but then that king became a servant, He didn't come to earth as a king, so we'd all look and go, oh, Jesus is king. Maybe we can be king too. This would be awesome. So Jesus is the most important person in the universe. I follow Jesus. I'm a child of Jesus. Therefore, I'm the most important kid in the universe. That's what our flesh wants to tell us. But Jesus is like, no, I came to earth, and I served everyone to show you guys how to really live life, to show you guys where real happiness comes from. So here's some way we can serve, just some practical ways. One, doing chores around the home without complaining or arguing or even helping your parents without even being asked. I tell you, I tell you this. If you do this thing, your parents' minds will just blow out the side of their head. They'll be like, what is going on? Do it, it'll be fun to watch. But no, seriously, bless your parents. They love you so much. Even if you come from a rough home and you're like, my parents don't deserve my love. You know what, guess what, none of us deserve love and Jesus died for us anyway. If you honor your parents, one of the most important commandments, Jesus says, honor your father and mother. When you honor your father and mother, you're honoring God. When you dishonor your father and mother, you're dishonoring God. Do something for your parents without them even asking. Remember, even just one thing off any of these lists that you really put your mind to and do, you're going to be blessed. I want you guys to grow. That's why I'm giving you some ideas. Here's another one. We got children's ministry here at the church. You can come here. Do any of you guys serve in children's ministry? That's awesome. I'm so proud of you guys. See, you guys are already serving. And I started serving when I was your age in children's ministry. I started doing puppet shows. I started doing this iguana called Iggy when I was in eighth grade. It was when I started with puppetry. And I went up to a family camp, and they had me doing children's ministry. And I did children's ministry for a long time after that. And you know what? It's all the same. Like, I don't look at children's ministry. I'm like, that's not as important in junior high ministry. Uh, Thank goodness I'm a junior high pastor now because that's really important. Kids are kids no matter what age they are. Even if they're 40-year-old kids, there are some. But listen, guys, do you know this? I want you to know this. Listen, listen, this is really important. You serving in that four-year-old classroom, that kindergarten classroom, that is just as important as what I'm doing right now. Like this, because I am a guy who has a job doing this and like this is my job, that doesn't mean it's less important. Like it is not, it's all the same in God's eyes. You being responsible, showing up to that, First service, early morning, or second service, after junior high, uh, children's ministry class. And you helping out is so important in God's eyes. Did you know Jesus says, if you give a little cup of water to a child, you do it for me? Keep doing it. And some of you guys, if you're like, I don't know what to do, serve in children's ministry. Seriously, give it a shot. You'll be so blessed. When you teach those younger kids the things you've learned here about Jesus, you'll just, you'll start to see amazing things happen in your life. Here's another one. Volunteering looking for things to do. You can come to me at any point and say, Aaron, I wanna do something. Not to work off service hours, not to earn money for camp, that's all good too. But if you guys come to me and you're like, hey, I wanna volunteer, I will combine this with using your gifts, because you all have gifts. Some of you guys play guitar, some of you guys sing, some of you guys can speak. There will never be a point where if any of you come up to me and say, Aaron, there's something I wanna share to the rest of the kids. I will never be like, oh, we don't do that, sorry, only I talk, only me, I'm going to do it for two hours instead of four or five minutes, (laughs) I will never do that to you, (laughs) thankfully. Um, Listen, if you have something you want to share with the rest of the group, come to me, I would love to know that you guys are reading your Bibles, I would love to see more of this, you guys coming to me on Sundays or Wednesdays or even at the school and saying, hey, I read this in my devotions, can I share this with everybody, that is important, That is so important, that people don't just hear from me and Brian and the adults. You guys need to hear from each other. Be brave. Step up. Read your Bibles and come up and ask to share. We will let you do it. Here's another one. Discipling your siblings. Kids that are younger than you, some of you guys have been discipled. You can disciple other people. You can point them to Jesus. And also, salt and light at our church. That's something we do once a month on a Saturday. Um, I, some of you guys have been there, but not all you guys. I'd encourage you guys. Basically what it is, is it's just pulling weeds. It's just, you're like pulling weeds, that sounds terrible. It's not if you're doing it with people who love Jesus. You're pulling weeds for old, sick, widow types of people. People in the church who are either too poor or too sick or maybe their husband died or something and they can't do it on their own. And we come and we show up and we're like, Jesus loves you. And we're pulling their weeds. That is a feeling that is so amazing. That is something that is so spectacular. I encourage you, if you've never done it, do it. Let's just go through a couple more. This is really important. Take risks because you've got to risk it to get the biscuit. <laughs> it's a saying. <laughs> that means you've got to take risks if you want to get something in life. If, if you want to have a life that's not wasted, you've got to take risks. Now, listen, this is something that's really funny to me. Um, have any of you guys ever been bummed? I, <laughs> Gwen, <laughs> yes, I have been bummed. There have been times in my life I have not been feeling happy. I admit to this. I don't, yeah, okay. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like Scotty's going to be with me on this one. Um, but let's, I think some of you guys too. Uh, have any you guys ever been bummed because you feel like you want to take some risks, but your mom or your dad is kind of like holding you back. Like, oh, don't, jo- little Johnny, don't stand on that ridge, you'll fall. And you're like, mom, I just want to do this sweet jump. I just want to do this kid flip jump stand. so cruise ship. What? I, like, I just want to do this thing. You know, and, and you're just like, the mom, your mom's just like, don't do it. Ah, oh, don't. You'll get hurt. You'll fall. Ah, oh, don't do it. And do you ever, anyone ever feel that way? Like you want to do something crazy and your parents or some authority is just like, eh, don't do it. You will get hurt. Scott's like, not anymore. I'm a man. I do what I want. Listen, listen, some of you guys feel that way. You feel that way about, you know, stuff you want to do. Your parents or some authority figures holding you back, don't stand there, don't jump there, don't do that because you'll fall and get hurt, you don't want to do it. Satan is doing the exact same thing to you in your Christian life. Now, I'm not relating your parents to Satan in this analogy. I kind of am, but that's not the point. It's not what I mean. <laughs> Listen, every time God gives you a vision, go there. Talk to that person. Go street witnessing, even though you're scared. Go start a Bible study in your school. Satan's there, and he's being that, just like, don't do it. You don't know what'll happen. People will reject you. People won't like you. This is a bad idea. That's what Satan's doing, and a lot of times, we listen to him. I want you guys to take risks. Listen, start a Bible study at school or in your home. I've done it before. It was hard. It was crazy, but you know what? 30 kids showed up, and I was a sixth grader. That was so cool. You can do that. Listen, if you would grab a couple of friends and say, hey, I know this is kind of weird and we already go to church, but what if we, the four of us, started a Bible study at my house? Mom will make cookies, we'll come over. It's not like Brooklyn, girl. she did a girl's Bible study, Aaron's doing a Bible study. It's not like that. It's not like, like church sponsored pastor running. It's, it's you with your friends by yourself. That'd be amazing. Honestly, if any of you came to me and you were like, I can't go to Wednesday night because me and my friends are having a Bible study on our own tonight. I'd be like, yes! So cool, you're growing, you're taking a step of faith. That's so cool, that's awesome. I would fully support that. Um, Here's another one, share the gospel with your friends. People need to hear about Jesus. We're scared to do it, but I've talked to you guys so many times about it. If you have faith and you go out there, God will be with you. Here's the thing, dream a big crazy dream and then pray about it. Don't think small in your life. Don't be like, all I can do is live. Live. All I can do is right now, right here, what I know. What do I know? Wake up, school, food, video games, Instagram. This is my life. It is all I know. It is all I think of. Have, the, have a dream. Seriously. Have a dream for the future. Like, like just sit down and think of your craziest, wildest idea of what you want God to do with your life and then pray about it. It doesn't mean God will be like the genie, like, what can I give you? <laughs> what can I give you? <laughs> that's, not, that's not what's going to happen. But if you have a dream, if you have a dream and it's like a godly dream, like you want to go be a missionary somewhere, or you want to help kids one day, you want to grow up and help little orphans like Nacho Libre, you know? If you want to one day be rich because you want to bless other people with money, I mean, those are good dreams, those are good things. Like, like if you were like, I want to one day be so rich that I can help everyone I know not be poor anymore. Like that, that's my dream. Pray and see what God does. Those are good things from him. But don't just sit around without a dream. It's sad to have a life without a dream. It's a wasted life to have a life without a dream. Start dreaming now. And listen, my friend Ben Corson, uh, he's a pastor and he has this great thing. You guys know secondhand smoke? You guys are in a room with someone and they're smoking. It's like, Ugh! because you don't want that. You don't wanna have their secondhand smoke. But he's like, you know what I want secondhand? I want dreams. I wanna be so close to God that I get his secondhand dreaming. That God is just dreaming big things and because I'm so close to him, I'm getting those dreams. That's what I want for you guys. I love you guys, I care about you guys. Now here's a crazy thing. Maybe you're a homeschooler. Maybe you're a kid in a Christian school. You could pray, and if God led you so, you could ask your parents, can I go to a public school because I want to be a missionary there? That's so cool. I know so many kids at Christian schools who are like, I want to go to public school because are Christian, school, Christian schools are the worst. People are always praying at you. How do you pray at somebody? I don't know. Lord, help this girl. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Sorry. Used you there. Um, but no, I mean, there's so many kids I know who are just like, I got to get out of this Christian school because everyone's just so religious and uh, hypocrites and all this stuff. And Listen. If you're in a Christian school or if you're homeschooled and your parents love Jesus, you're an amazing place because you're hearing about God way more than other people. But maybe you've had that your whole life, and maybe it's time for you to take a step of faith and say, mom and dad, I want to go to a Christian school or I want to go to a public school. Why? Because there are people there who don't know Jesus, and I need to be the one to tell them about it. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. I'm going to get tempted in ways I've never been tempted before, but I know this is what Jesus is calling me to do. And then before you go in, you tell a counselor, and you say, listen, this is what my heart is. My parents said I can go to that public school. I'm going to be a missionary there. Can you keep me accountable?" Can you pray? Can you talk to me? Can you help me through this? So important, guys. I am going to close with just a few more things. I was going to say one more thing, but I think I have time. I'm going to skip this one for now. I'm going to save it for a different study. Uh, well, it's all there. We could talk about it. I'll just tell you a story really quick. There was a king named King Asa. King Asa. He was a good king, and it was during a time where they had peace. Well, King Asa was like, I could party, or I could build a wall. He started building a wall. People were like, why are you building a wall? It's a time of peace. No one's attacking you. He's like, I feel like God wants me to build this wall. He builds the wall. Ten years later, he gets attacked. But you know what? He built a wall. So the enemy didn't get through. He spent the time he could have been partying, building this wall, and it kept the enemy out. Listen, some of you guys are gonna get tempted to do things that you never even imagined you could be tempted to do. The enemy is gonna attack you in ways that you're like, I would never struggle with that sin. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Start praying now. Start building that wall. That your relationship with Jesus, that is that wall. If you're just like, I'm a good kid and I got good grades and I get along with my teachers and everything's good, so I don't need to have a relationship with God. And then you wait until some horrible thing happens in your life and then you're like, Now I need a relationship with God. Start your relationship with God now. Build that wall of defense against the enemy. I have too much things I prepared. I'm going to close the story, and we'll save the rest for another time. Okay, listen. Talking to you about a guy named Jeremy. Jeremy had it all. He had good looks, intelligence, athletic ability. This guy was the most popular guy in his class every single year. He had... Every Valentine's Day, he got tons of candy. Every Christmas, he got tons of Christmas cards, more than everybody else. You guys know the type. He was the guy who went out with the prettiest girls every year to the dances. Tons of friends at the lunch table. He was the football master. He knew every play. He scored every touchdown. He had his own little dance. This guy, everyone loved him. How could you not love a guy like that? It's like he's, he's friendly. He's popular. He's nice. He's good at everything. Is the guy everybody wanted to be. He was awesome. He wasn't rich, but his parents worked really hard to give him whatever he wanted. He had uh, the best clothes. He had more shoes in his closet than any girl you would ever meet. He uh, had the latest Xbox and PlayStation always. In his house, it was the place to go. You'd be like, I want to go there. He has the best stuff. I want to play over his house. He had it all. But what he didn't realize was life is temporary. He didn't realize all the stuff he had, it's temporary. Because listen, one day he gets invited at the end of his junior year to a high school school, group, youth group, boat trip. It's this cruise with the high school group. And it's a big youth group. They got like a hundred kids. He doesn't want to go, but he knows there's this really cute cheerleader named Natalie. So he goes, because he wants to hang out with Natalie. He's not a Christian. So he goes, and every morning, they do youth group. And he doesn't know what youth group is. He's never been. Some guy gets on the guitar and starts playing songs, and he's like, this is weird. Maybe some of you guys feel that way, because you're, you're not used to it. You're like, this is weird. Why are we singing songs? That's how he felt. Someone would get up and they'd share their testimony. There'd be a kid, a high school kid, who'd get up and say, this is what God has done in my life. And he's like, okay, this is interesting. And then there was this chubby youth pastor. Maybe you can relate. There's this chubby <laughs> youth pastor named Brandon. And he got up, this is a true story. He got up to talk about Jesus. And he was a funny guy, told lots of funny stories. Um, but then Brandon started talking about He's like, listen, kids. The difference between the temporary and eternal is really important because life doesn't last. You only live once, and things in this life won't last. You have to focus on the eternal. Now, Jeremy thought that was weird. He's like, that's weird. Like, things in this life don't last. You have to focus on the eternal. That sounds kind of, like, Buddhist, like, weird. Like, I don't know if I agree with that. But in his gut, he was like, maybe he's right. So the next day, they all went rock jumping. Anyone ever been cliff diving, rock jumping? I've never been because I'm a scaredy cat. But all these kids went. So the cliff went from 10 feet all the way up to 50 feet at different little intervals. Most of the kids wanted to jump, but the youth pastor was like, hold on, we got to check it out. So he sent some counselors down with some scuba gear. So they put on some scuba gear and some mask, and they dove to the bottom, and they checked it out to make sure the water was deep enough for people to dive. Well, it was. So they went down, and the kids were like, okay, let's jump. So they start jumping off the 10 feet, and then some of the braver kids were like, oh, 20 feet. I would never do that. I, would, I, I couldn't jump off of five feet. I'm, I'm so scared. All these kids are jumping. 10 feet, 20 feet. Well, listen, Jeremy, he did 30 feet. And that got lots of attention. Everyone was like, oh, this guy's cool. He didn't know anybody. This, he, he was a new kid. Back at his school, remember, he's the most popular guy. But at, at this youth group, boat cruise, he doesn't know anybody. So he does the 30 feet. Everyone's like, oh, this guy's cool. And then Jeremy's like, you know what? I'm gonna go for the 50. 50 feet. He goes up to the top. He's standing there. He sees his reflection in the water. Everyone's like, is he gonna do it? Is he gonna do it? And he does it. He jumps and he goes, and he lands. Everyone's like, yeah. Everyone's freaking out. And instantly, he's the most popular kid again on the trip. Just instant popularity. Now listen. Back at youth group on the boat, Brandon is talking again, the chubby youth pastor. And he's like, some of us think that all this temporary stuff brings us happiness. But listen, it does temporarily. But what about when it's gone? Because that's the nature of temporary things. They only last a little while. The question isn't if the thrill will end. The question is, when will it end? And Jeremy's thinking, he's like, he's listening. It's the kid Jeremy. He's listening. He's like, could he be right? Brandon keeps talking. And he's like, some of you might think that all the right clothes, a nice car, a bunch of friends will make you happy. Some of you might have your life planned out ahead of you, but let me ask you this one question. What's holding it all together? What happens if all your friends, all your stuff, all your future is snatched away from you tomorrow? He paused for what seemed like an eternity. He's like, what then? What would happen? Well, Jeremy wondered, and he's like, what if it all got snatched away? So Jeremy says, like, okay, if my house burns, my parents have insurance, that could cover it. I'm fine. If I lose all my friends, I'm super cool. I can just make new ones. He's like, I got college scholarships being offered to me by football, uh, college football teams. Uh, I can't lose those. Like, they already offered to me. They can't take them back. So then Brandon starts talking, the, the youth pastor, he starts talking about your relationship with God. That's the one thing that's everlasting. That's the one thing that lasts forever. Well, after the boat cruise, Jeremy finished his junior year of high school. Him and Natalie started dating him and the cute cheerleader, and uh, the last day of school came, and, and things were going good for him. It was a good year for him. It was his senior year, last day of school. He had it all. He had the looks. He had the cute cheerleader girlfriend. He had all the friends he could want. Colleges were offering to take him to their college to play football. He had stuff. His parents bought him so much stuff. I mean, to him, life was great. Then his friends threw a party at the river, and the whole school came down, and and football players started jumping off the rocks into the river. And he's like, oh, yeah, rock jumping. I love rock jumping. Well, they're jumping off, and about 10 feet, Jeremy sees a higher ledge that's 30 feet. And he climbs up, and everyone's like, Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy. And he's so stoked, and he knows what he has to do. You know, he's like, I've got to do this. I've got to jump higher than everybody. I'm going to fly like an eagle. And he runs, and he jumps, and he just does a perfect swan dive just right into the water, and everyone cheers and and freaks out, and everyone's like so happy, and they're waiting for him to come up, so he comes up, you know, they're waiting for him to come up and give his thumbs up, and they're waiting, and they're like, when is he going to come up? But he didn't come up because, you see, the minute he hit the ground, he hit a sandbar, and he broke his neck instantly. So Jeremy just instantly broke his neck. And one year later after that, life looked really different for Jeremy because he was paralyzed, his body was limp, he could barely use his arms, he had to be in a wheelchair. He didn't graduate with his class and he never got those scholarships because the colleges weren't interested in someone who couldn't play football. His friends left him behind because he was a burden to hang out with because he wasn't fun anymore. And everything he had had been snatched away. He had nothing and he he was miserable because his happiness had been dependent on what his circumstances were. And when his circumstance changed, his happiness changed and he wasn't happy. Fourteen months after the accident, Jeremy went to visit Brandon, that old chubby youth pastor. He went to go find that guy again. Because see, Brandon, he'd visited Jeremy when he was in the hospital. He brought him meals during Brandon's physical therapy. Uh, or during Jeremy's physical therapy, uh, Brandon said, Listen, if you ever need anything, call me. If you want to talk, if you need someone to listen, like call me. So it had been almost a year. And now was the day. So Jeremy finally rolls into Brandon's church and he says, I need to talk. And they talk for about 30 minutes and and they're talking about how quickly things change. And, And Jeremy looks at Brandon and he says, with tears in his eyes, he's like, you were right. I had it all, but it was temporary. Everything was snatched away. And Brandon says, yeah, all that stuff was temporary and it was snatched away. And that's hard. It's hard when everything changes in your life. It's hard when things are going one way and all of a sudden things are different. It's hard when you feel like life is so good and all of a sudden it changes so fast and you have nothing. But he says to Jeremy, listen, there's one thing you can have that makes up for everything. There's one thing you can have that'll give you complete happiness. There's one thing you can have that can never be taken away from you. And that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so just weeping, Jeremy prays with them and he prays for Jesus to come in his heart. He says, God, I'm so sorry that I was, that all the temporary stuff was, I thought was the answer. It wasn't, I'm sorry for trying it my way. It's time I give my life to you and live your way. And as he's finished praying, For the first time in his life, Jeremy feels joy. He feels happiness in his heart. He feels like his life has a purpose. And now Jeremy is a counselor in that youth group. He became a counselor, and and he spends his life following Jesus and doing what Jesus told him to do, which is to counsel kids and help them go through the things they've gone through. And that, to me, is a life that's not wasted. Here's a guy who lived his life for himself, had everything he wanted, but in the end, his life was a waste. He didn't have anything to show for what God had given him, the blessings God had given him. And we've been given blessings. Listen, guys, last thing I'll say, don't wait until something really bad happens in your life to follow Jesus. Don't wait until a tragedy happens to then say, okay, I'll give you my life, God, but start following him now, start serving him. You guys are so awesome I love you so much. I want you to know that you can grow. You can serve Jesus, you can follow him. I've tried to give you ways tonight you can do it. I wanna challenge you over the summer, don't waste your summer, don't waste your life, but find out how can I grow closer to God? How can I grow? How can I serve Jesus? How can I walk with him? How can I follow him? Don't just show up to church, but let your relationship with Jesus grow. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this group. I pray you would just bless us tonight as we discuss in our small groups the things that you've shown us, Lord. Lord, I pray it all goes back to that verse that we would not worry about our clothes or our friends or our food or whatever, but God, that we'd seek first the kingdom of God. That's what it all comes down to, that we're supposed to look for your kingdom like we're on a treasure hunt. We're supposed to go after your kingdom. We're supposed to go after your glory. God, we're supposed to live for you. And for any kid here who just is a kid who shows up to church and that's what the relationship with Jesus is, I pray you deliver them from that. I pray, Lord, you would grab them in a big bear hug and take them in your arms and just show them that you want a relationship with them. Show them that's what you died for. I pray, God, that none of these kids would leave here feeling guilty about their lives, but they'd they'd leave here with a sense of passion. They'd They'd leave here with a sense of, I need to live my life for Jesus. And for anyone here who doesn't know how to do that, I pray that you'd give them the courage to be honest with their counselors to say, I wanna live for Jesus, but I don't know how. And then give the counselors wisdom to speak into their lives. We love you, Jesus. We ask all these things in your name, amen.